Welcome to the world of culture pop with Steve Mason and Sue Kalinsky. Culture, comedy, movies, TV, tech, authors, trends, pop, pop. This is the Culture Pop Podcast. Hey, everybody! Welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason, along with Sue Kalinsky. Sue, how you doing? How you feeling? I'm feeling good. Um, this is the first time I think we both are wearing sleeveless tops. Yes, I'm putting on a gun show today. Gun show today. <laughs> so we're going to do something a little bit different on the show today. When Sue and I did Morning Drive Radio in New York on WNEW, uh, every morning we did a feature called Sue's News. And Sue would go through, she would comb every single news site in the world, and she would come up with what she felt were the most important, pressing, interesting, fascinating, funny stories of the day. So I thought we would bring that back, Sue. Mm-hmm. And 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 give it a whirl. So I know you've you've been doing some research, right? A little bit, yeah. A little you've been, bit. You've been googling. You've been working the Googler. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't have any music for this yet because we're really only doing it on a trial basis. But I would love to have some sort of fancy. I don't think we should use exactly what I did, but some. I actually have someone who may be able to write a little song like oh. Sue's News, Sue's News, Sue's, you know, something like that. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, okay. we can do that. We can do okay. that. You don't like. I, 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 I kind of do. It's kind of fun. It's kind of, yeah. you know, old school. Yeah, it's, it's the oldest school. Extra, extra. Hear all about it. <laughs> Hear all about it. Here's what we're going to do. See, we're going to do the news. So, Sue, what it's it's all on you. What do you got? Um. So. There's this thing that came up in the news about the Norwegian women's um, handball team. Yeah. And it's so ridiculous to me that the International Handball Federation um, fined them like 1700 something dollars because they are not wearing the outfits. They're not sexy enough. Well, they're not wearing like their bikini bottoms. They're not wearing the bikini bottoms, right? And it's just so ridiculous to me that this is an issue, you know, like you you don't, you don't do anything with men not wearing certain things. You let them wear like the volleyball guys, you let them wear whatever they wear. And it just sounds like a bunch of creepy old guys who just want to see more skin. I mean, what does it really have to do with the sport? Yeah, I I actually think it's a really interesting issue because, you know, the guys that play handball don't wear Speedos. Mm -hmm. Uh, They wear tight sort of legging short like like a bicycle guy would wear. That's what they're wearing. And that's what the Norwegian women have chosen to wear and have been fined. And I think Pink actually stepped Mm -hmm. up and said, I'm going to pay all the fines. So so good for Pink. I saw Mary. uh, I saw. um, uh, Billie Jean King talk about this mm-hmm. and she said, we have to stop sexualizing women in sports. And I think there is still an element of that going on. You know, I've had this conversation on my radio show with John Ireland before, you know, do we live in an era where it feels normal and right to have cheerleaders on the sidelines or yeah. are cheerleaders a thing of the past? I'm so sick of cheerleaders. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean, I remember here? remember years ago when the Marlins had cheerleaders for like a very short period of time. Yes, yes. Very ill-fated like, move. 
There's no cheerleaders in baseball. I mean, of all the sports. Yeah, yeah. It was so out of place. You know, the sexy sideline reporter, I think, is also, you know, we're seeing now, you know, women have so much experience in sports now, uh, sports broadcasting, and there are such really intelligent, engaged, well-informed women who are doing those jobs on the sidelines. I don't think anymore we should focus on, hey, look how hot that girl is on the sidelines, because she's a woman of substance. Yeah, I mean... It's like, you know, give me Doris Burke. <laughs> yeah, Dor- Doris Burke. Absolutely. Michelle Tafoya. Yes. Give me these. Give me really, really smart, well-informed, experienced uh, people on the sidelines. And I, they don't, I don't want to judge them. I don't want to judge them on their appearance. Are you, am I clicking in and out? No, no. Not no, on okay. my end. Uh, yeah, I, I don't judge them on their appearance. And so I kind of put this into sort of an overall category of sexualizing women in sports, which I think the time for has passed. Yeah. And it it just, it always feels like whenever you have a woman doing something that a man has, has normally done, it always has to have some sexual overtone. Like when I watch the weather, you see the weather women these days, they're like Vegas acts. They... (laughs) wear such sexy low cut dresses and it's like come on you know i mean just you are a meteorologist <laughs> oh it's like it's like going to see my like gynecologist and she's wearing like i could see a thong through her dress <laughs> i mean it's so so sexist so anyway so that was um I just, oh, you know, and it's funny. And, and this really doesn't have anything to do with, with the sexual angle to it. But I remember years ago, and this was, this was like somebody telling me what to wear at a job. Right. I was waitressing at some really like crappy diner in New Jersey. And I had to wear. Wait a minute, um, stop. That may be the most depressing thing I've ever heard. It, it was very, very depressing. I was waitressing at some <laughs> diner in New Jersey. Yeah, it was the um, it was called the uh, the the Lackawanna Diner in Lackawanna, New Jersey. How how bridge and tunnel of you? Oh God, yeah. Well, I moved I moved to New Jersey with a girlfriend of mine, and uh, we moved into her boyfriend's apartment, and it was a very very sad and desperate time in my life. I was in my <laughs> early twenties. Anyway, so I'm working at this diner, and we had to wear those like traditional diner dresses, you yeah. know, like the the like light blue or yellow with, you know, they were like the most yeah, unattractive sure. outfits you can possibly Like on the uh, old TV show, Alice. Exactly. With the white shoes. Yes. So um, after my shift, I was going out. So I went into the bathroom and I changed into my civilian clothes. And the <laughs> owner came over to me. He sees me come out of the bathroom and he says, you know, what, what, are, you, what are you wearing? Why, why, why you change? And I said, because I'm off and I'm going out. And he says, you come in uniform, you leave in uniform. <laughs> and I was like, who the hell are you? And I hated this guy so much. That's the only job where I actually quit over the phone. That's the only time you quit. Oh, and you quit over the phone. I called in and said, I'm not coming in anymore. Wow. Wow. Well, you remember we used to work at uh, 57 and 7th in New York, and there was a Hooters in our building. I used to call it the Hooters building. And, you know, is there still a place in the world for 
Hooters? It doesn't feel like it. It, it doesn't, doesn't feel like it. We're not going in that direction. I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, and, 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 I, and, and you know, it, and actually, this is a testament to a place I worked, you know, in my many waitress gigs. Um, I was a cocktail waitress in a private club in Florida. And most jobs like that, you had to wear very, very revealing tops and, and short shorts or like skirts. Yeah. And they actually allowed us to wear long pants and, and leotard, like leotard tops, but like long sleeve, not, you know, like scoop neck, but not cut revealing, no right. cleavage. And that to me was, was shocking. And that was in the seventies when you would think that they would have demanded that you dress sexy, you know? Yeah, I, I, it's interesting. The world has changed a lot. I think it, the the world is going to get dragged along with this. Like, you know, when I talked about cheerleaders, there's a difference between like cheerleaders and a dance team. Like the Laker girls are a dance team and they train a lot to be able to uh, to to dance at halftime and between quarters and all that stuff. The Rams have got a dance team. In fact, they've got two guys on the dance team. Um, it's, it's not about the sexualization. It's, it's about, Hey, these people really know how to dance and, and pump up a crowd. So that's different from, let's say the Raiderettes who mm -hmm. are really there, um, as, as sort of, uh, as, as, that's as, eye candy. I yeah, mean, eye it's, candy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of, um, clothing, this is, I love this story. This is great. So. There was a um, so in the NCAA, um, there, you know, the basketball players, the college basketball players now are, right. are getting paid, you know, for uh, name, for image, and likeness. Image and likeness, right, right, right. So there was a a, a tweet, a whole uh, flurry of tweets that went out, and there was a um, a reporter, what's his name, Yoder, James Yoder. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, you James know this. Yoder. Do you, no. you know the story? Okay, I this is a great story. story. All right, so University of uh, Michigan reporter tweeted about, um, you know, giving statistics about, like, the majority of college football players will not end up any earning any real sponsorship deals, affiliate deals, 0% of sales, blah, 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 blah. Social media will be flooded with sponsors posts by athletes. And then someone tweeted back, the biggest part is making their own brands and clothing and stuff like that. And Yoda responded, true, but will people really buy it? And some guy said, uh, you know, yeah, Buckeye fans, you know, they'll, 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 they'll support our players. Yeah. And then he wrote, perhaps for the stars, but you think people are going to buy a $50 hoodie from Luke Weipler, some player on the team? <laughs> on, the, on Michigan, yeah. On Michigan. So Weipler made a, a hoodie with Yoder's tweet on the front and is selling them for $50. Good for him. Which is great, and and actually, to to uh, to Yoda to Yoda being a good sport, which I really tip my hat to him. He bought one of the hoodies. Oh, very nice. So this kid is still selling the hoodies. He's selling the hoodies with his tweet with with Yoda's tweet on it. Now his original point, Yoda's original point, was correct. I mean, you know, Keaton Slovis from USC, Johnny Juzang from UCLA, uh, the quarterback from Alabama, I think, has got close to a million dollars in sponsorships right now, name, image, and likeness. The the frontline guys are going to make 
the bulk of the name image likeness cash. But that doesn't mean other people can't break out. That doesn't mean that other people can't establish a brand and a personality on social media that they can in turn monetize uh, the way this, what, what's the kid's name that did it at Michigan? His name is Luke Weipler. Good Whipler. for Luke Whipler, Weipler. Yeah. I mean, I, I think other people will make, we were joking about uh, on our show, hey, let's offer some college athlete, just like a grant to mm-hmm. come on the show and to record one of those, uh, hey, it's, uh, it's me and I listen to Mason in Ireland every single day and it's my favorite show and all that. Uh, we haven't been able to reach out and do it yet, but you know what? That's, that's the way guys can make money. The other thing is there are websites now that are buying exclusives with players. Mm-hmm. So in other words, when it happened at Texas A&M, I don't recall the name, but when the kid at Texas A&M signed to deal with this, uh, this Texas A&M Aggies website, it meant that he could only give interviews to this website. So he had an exclusive deal for $10,000 to be the guy that talks to this website exclusively. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's kind of like the wild, wild west. There are, there's no governing body that seems to be taking a role in this. And it is going to sort of spill out in a, in a messy way while we all try to figure it out. Uh, but good for this kid for, uh, for trying to monetize it and for making some money on, on hoodies and good for the uh, reporter for, for buying one. Yeah, for being a good sport about it. So I, I wanted to ask you a question. Have you ever gotten somebody back in a humiliating, fun way? Somebody who was trying to uh, diss you or kind of rain on your parade about something, and you got them back, not in a mean-spirited way, but in a way that was really clever and kind of a feather in your cap for doing it that way? Feather in my cap for going after somebody who humiliated me. Uh you know, here's, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this story. So the old columnist for the LA Times sports columnist was TJ Simers. And TJ was, he could be brutal. And he wrote a column that included my name and John's name and really dragged us through the mud. Now, the one thing that TJ didn't figure out or didn't realize in advance is that we've got three hours of live radio every day. And so for, for weeks, we would bag on TJ Simers. We'd, we'd, we'd bag on, you know, how, how dare you? And we would go on about it because we had, we had a lot of time to be able to do it. I don't think TJ figured on that. Now, in the end, TJ and I, for a while, we were, I considered ourselves to be enemies or mortal enemies. And there was a feud going on. In reality, super nice guy. Ultimately, we made peace with the whole thing. He wrote only nice things after that. So I would argue that uh, all of the 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 comeback, the the get back at TJ actually forced him to change his opi- uh, his opinion, and we actually became friends after that. So how's that for an example? That's great. So I, I have a couple, and one of them happened when we were doing our show in New York. Okay. Um, do you remember Carrie Hoffman? Do you remember that name? I don't. Carrie Hoffman owned. Stand Up New York Comedy Club. Got it. And when I was doing our radio show, I wasn't doing stand up as much, but I was still doing it. Yeah, yeah. So he hadn't seen me in years while I was living out in L.A. I hadn't been to his club in a long time. So, And and I was one of his favorite acts. Okay. So I I go in one night to do a show, 
And, um, and it was a, it was a fine set. Was it my greatest set? No, but it was a fine set. Nothing yeah. to be embarrassed about. So, and, and, and the set was so good that one of the, a couple of comics came over to me and asked me, are you, is this for like a Letterman shot? You know? Right. Right. So I call up, I guess a couple of days later to, um, you know, you call in and give your availability for spots. Right. And he didn't want to give me spots because he had, he wasn't there that night, but he had heard from his manager that I didn't have a great set. Ah. And I said, Oh, well, and, and he left me a message on my answering machine telling me that he giving me this information. Wow. He didn't have the balls to like, just talk to me. He, I mean, I, I, I mean, he knew me for so many years and it was so disrespectful for me that yeah. he left this message on my machine that he wasn't going to give me spots because he had heard that I didn't have a really good set. You know what that reminds me of? This uh, woman I know who quit at a diner in New Jersey over the phone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Cut to 30 years later. So um, I, I kept the recording of him telling me that he didn't want me on the, that he wasn't going to give me spots. Yeah. And we played it on the air. I told Did him we really? We played it on the air and all these comedians, I bumped into Colin Quinn in Central Park the, the, the later in the day after it aired. And a lot of people had kind of negative feelings towards this guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. You, you, you played the tape of, of Hoffman on the show. I can't believe you did that. And it was, you know, and, and, and he actually didn't have like a really great sense of humor about it, which it was like, come on, you know? It was like, look what you did. I yeah. mean, you insulted me so much. Anyway, um, but I, I have to say that my greatest all-time comeback was Kathy Ladman and I were uh, did a gig in Whistler um, in, in Vancouver. And um, we got um, we got a fan letter that was sent to the people who booked us. They mail it to us. And the woman just completely dissed our show and told us that we weren't funny and blah, blah, blah. So Kathy was an English teacher. And um, yeah, before she did stand up, obviously. And um, what we did was we didn't comment anything about what she said. We took a red pen and graded her letter and made circles and um, everything that was grammatically incorrect. Really? We corrected and spelling. We'd put like SP and circle it. <laughs> and then we just sent it back to her. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I, you know, another story comes to mind. So, this was uh, when I was on the station that was the home of the Dodgers, and Peter O'Malley was still the owner of the Dodgers, the great Peter O'Malley. So we were in the uh, press room, sort of the gathering place, which was like a little bar um, at uh, Vero Beach at the Dodgers training complex. And my boss at the time was a highly unprofessional guy named Bo. Bo was my program director. Bennett, if you're out there. So this guy, I'm sitting with Peter O'Malley and he says, can I get you a drink? And, and I said, no, 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 I don't, uh, I don't drink when I'm, when I'm working. And he said, no, really? Uh, do you, do you want to, let me get you a drink? No, no. What are you, some kind of pussy? I'm like, I'll tell you what, let's go out and drink tonight. We'll go out and drink tonight when I'm not working and we'll have some fun. 
So we go to uh, drink at TGI Fridays in Vero Beach, Florida, the old TGI Fridays. <laughs> and we start drinking. And I think we both have margaritas and we both have shots of tequila. And I go to the bathroom and I slip the waitress a 20. And I said, for the rest of the night, bring me nothing but water. Bring me nothing but Classic, great. So we go and we go and we go. And of course, I'm fine. He's like, how are you even handling this, dude? (laughs) I don't know how you're even able to stand up. And uh, didn't see him for two days afterwards. Was hung over in his room for two days afterwards. No idea how many shots. I, I remember I did exactly one shot and he did a whole bunch. So I did. he did get his comeuppance for me at TGI Fridays in Vero Beach, Florida. Oh man, that's great. That's a scene in a movie. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. yeah. That's a great one. All right. Okay. So some woman. I think between the- stories, I'm going to go. Trademark that. Yeah. Trademark. It. <laughs> so a woman in North Carolina won $2 million from a lottery ticket she received as a gift. Ooh. Right. Yeah. And it didn't say anything in the, in the piece that she gave any of the winnings to the person who bought it for it was a good friend right yes because i can't i have a thing with with friends of mine well like um hey if you win the lottery um i said i'll totally give you money i will definitely really? you've you got some- this deal with people i have a deal with a girlfriend of mine yes and i was like i'll definitely give you some money and 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 if you win you know you're going to give me money that's kind of a thing that we have yes. and it's, it's yes. millions it's not like a small amount but if we sure. yeah, if we big. really really hit it big i'm definitely going to give you money um would you uh, have have you ever bought scratchers or lottery tickets for people? Because Tom and I have done that um, for birthday parties or like like Christmas at his family's house. We used and, to get uh, scratchers for people, like for stocking stuffers and stuff. Yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. Of thing. Right. Um, and there have been times when I've said, "Okay, well, I'll buy a ticket, and if if any of our tickets wins." Uh, we're all splitting up the money. I've done that. But was there any agreement between the person who gave the ticket and the person who received the ticket about a sharing agreement with the winnings? No. And I'm not even saying that she needed to like share the winnings, but, you know, throw her a little something, something. Reimburse her for the ticket. How about or that? Little, Reimburse her little, for the little, ticket. You know, like a little finder's fee, you know, like how could she not give her even like a couple of thousand dollars, you know? Yeah, you're right. A couple of thousand dollars would make sense. Two million I'm not asking her to split the two million halfway because she's not getting to two million when it's all said and done anyway. Yeah, no, no, you know? she's not splitting two million dollars between her and her. her right. Her gift no, I don't. Or. I didn't expect that. But it's funny because there have been times where we've Give me a little them. taste. Just give me a little taste. Just a little something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I thought yeah I'm was. in agreement. I think a little taste is appropriate there. Not a lot, not a lot, unless there's some prior agreement. Like when I've said, okay, we're all put, let's all put 20 bucks in and then we'll buy a whole bunch of tickets. And then if those, one of those tickets hits, we all share. This didn't sound like that. So yeah, but just a little taste, cab money, cab fare. Yeah, I could see that. It's just, it's just a classy move. I mean, you don't even have to have an agreement on something like that. It's just like, you know, be a mensch. Yeah, be a mensch. Exactly. All right. <laughs> So 
you always make fun of me um, with my travel trailer or my Winnebago, as you call it. Your Winnebago. So some guy in Louisiana is about to open a trailer park for swingers. Nice. <laughs> yes. Nice. And, uh, it's supposed to open up um, in 2020. So their the motto 20, 2020 um, 2022 I'm sorry, 20, 2022 yeah so the the motto is um, bring your house and share your spouse wow what a slogan can you think of a more disgusting thing well I don't know you spend your time in a travel trailer in a but not in a so. swingers travel resort have you ever been a swinger have you and Tom ever you know swung no. Never? Never. Have in any of your relationships, have you ever been a swinger? Never. I, you know, years ago, I worked as a legal secretary. It was the last job I had before I became a stand-up full-time. And there was a woman who worked up there. And she had some, like, older boyfriend. And, you know, I was probably in my late 20s or whatever. And so the guy, older, he was probably in his 40s. Yeah. And um, she invited me to, I don't know, go to some party or something like that. And she alluded to the fact that she wanted me to like have a threesome with them. And they and I kept on, and in the beginning I was like, I, I didn't kind of get what she was talking about. I was like, nah, nah, I'm not really interested. And, and then I realized what she wanted me to, why she wanted me to go. And I was like, uh, no, it was the most uncomfortable interaction <laughs> I've ever had with anybody because she worked on the floor and it's like, no, I'm not interested. And I guess her boyfriend had seen me, you know, uh, you know, walking around and it was like, you know, they were trying to recruit me to have sex. with. Them. So you never had a three way ever? Never. Wow. Yeah, I've. I've had uh, I've I've done stuff like that. In my, in my world, in my world, it's a lot easier, Sue. It's a lot easier. Now, why is that? Uh, we know the old joke is: what do uh, two lesbians do on a second date? They rent a U-Haul. What yeah. What do two gay guys do on a second date? What second date? Um, <laughs> there is there is an element to that. Like, for example, as a as a gay guy, I've had far more partners than. The average, well, than than the average person, than the average straight person, just because we were doing a bit yesterday on pickup lines and on on ESPN, and you know, John told told his pickup line, and it it would never ever work. You know what would look good on you, me? Oh God, it's never it's so gonna hacking. work. <laughs> terrible, terrible line. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I I thought about it, and I was like, you know, all it takes is just a look. And I was going to say eye contact. And we're going home together. That's the way it used to be. Yeah. When yeah. I was in my prime, when I was hitting the power with all fields, right. just a look and we'd be going home. So right. yeah, it's, it's really, there's a disparity between, and there's also, I think there's more of a, a sexually liberated uh, experience um, in the gay community, uh, particularly gay men. So yeah, I mean, I. Oh I, yeah, well, glory holes and bars. Well, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm not talking about disgusting stuff. <laughs> well, when you just talk it's about the phrase, openness. by the way, I didn't expect to hear today was glory holes and bars. Well, well you know, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you've done stuff like this, but you talk about if you're talking about, you know, the gay, gay men as, as a whole, and just as a whole, so to speak. <laughs> um, 
I mean, when I heard of that, it was like, oh my God. I mean, I, as, just as a straight woman, I could just never imagine being in a situation where that would ever happen. Like you would, and, and it's a known thing, you yeah. know, like they, they actually built the hole for that. Yeah. We have a, we have a different, for that. we have a different rule book, which yeah. is there's no rule book. Right. Yeah. No rule book at all. So, uh, yeah, I, that, that's, that's just a difference in our world. So when you say you've never had a three-way, I will say I, I have. Right. How about that? Like, okay. So I take that back. I, I wouldn't say that I had like, like, like sex, sex with, with two. Oh, hugs. now the truth sort of. No. But like when I, when I was a kid, okay. It was when I was a kid. I mean, I was in like junior high school, high school we would have these situations where like a bunch of guys and girls would like, you know, be in a bed together and like, we'd be like making out and maybe I'd like make out with the guy on one side and make out with the guy on the other side. And I'll never forget this. It's so funny. There was a guy, um, I, 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 I'm almost positive I was in junior high school, but he had like a five o'clock shadow for a very, very young guy. Right. I mean, he was probably like 13 or 14 years old. And, um, and I had these like uh, sailor sailor snap pants, so you would uh, you can just like open my pants up really easily, you know. Yes. You can just like just just take the top and 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 like my my pants were open. It, it wasn't like a button and a <laughs> zipper for, for easy was, access. It was e- very easy access, right? So I'm lying there, and 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 I was so not attracted to him. He just happened to be one of the guys who was part of this group, right? And um and 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 then it, you know his like five o'clock shadow was like rubbing up against me. And it was like, Oh my God, you're 14. This is like, you're like an old guy. What is this? It's horrible. What are you shaving for? So, um, but he was like a really hairy guy for his age and he kept on like trying to get in my pants. So he kept on like opening up the snaps and I kept on snapping them back up and he kept on trying to open them up. Um, so that, if you want to call that, uh, a threesome or a, a four. It was like Bob and Carol, Ted and Alice. We were all in a bed together, but we weren't like, nobody was like, you know, no, that's not, there was a, no, there was no like a, sex, sex, a going. threesome or a quadsome. Do they call that a quadsome? <laughs> it wasn't a foursome. Oh, a foursome. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I made it so hard with a quadsome. <laughs> Parallelism. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, different different rules, but you clearly have not had a three way. If that's no, your no, one no, experience. no, 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 I've never been. It's like to me, it's enough. It's enough to just be with one person. You know, it's like I don't need any more. You no, know, it's, it's 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 overkill. It's, overkill. it's like you know, I I had a pint of ice cream. I don't need a gallon. I mean, it's like <laughs> you know, it's just too much. And and even like like dating two people at the same time. Um, I was never was good o- at that. Yeah, I I just. Uh, I was very, very bad at that. And, and, and I, 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 I never cheated on anybody. I mean, mm. I never cheated on a boyfriend, hmm. you know, it's just, That's noble. Uh, I just never, I, no, I just never nothing. wanted. I'm saying nothing to that. No, I know that. I know that you have, I've, <laughs> I've been around, I've been around you. <laughs> I've witnessed it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. All right. Dun, what dun, else? Dun, 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 dun. So I, this is just some crazy thing that I read. So there's this weird thing going on in Thailand now. Okay. There's these like sex crazed monkey gangs are okay. brawling in the streets of Thailand um, because there's turf wars going on now that tourism has waned. 
Okay. So I saw a video of this. It was crazy, but I don't understand how they know that these are like gangs. Like they make it sound like it's like the sharks and the jets of monkeys, you know, like yeah. attacking one another. And you're a jet, you're a jet. <laughs> it's like, how do they know that? Like, I wonder they if they can snap. <laughs> that would make it very West side story. Right. They weren't dancing. They definitely were not dancing. I know that. Um, but but don't they come in, don't they come in like families or packs? I guess they are in packs and, um, and they're attacking each other because they're not being fed food like they normally are fed food. From tourists. Because tourists feed them. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, that the makes people, sense. The indigenous people don't feed them. Um, yeah, I, it, it was one of the most disturbing videos I've ever seen because um, you would not believe, I mean, it was hundreds and hundreds of monkeys. No, really? Yes. Oh, this isn't just hundreds like Hundreds of monkeys? Five, it wasn't like five monkeys on one side and five monkeys on the other side. <laughs> one of jet, them pulls out a switchblade. <laughs> Tonight, tonight. Uh, yeah, that's cr- that's crazy. So it's hundreds of monkeys. Yeah, hundreds of monkeys. Yeah, yeah, it sounds more like Planet of the Apes than it does like West Side Story. Yeah, and it's it's funny how um, they were saying they're trying to control their turf. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, really. Well, you know, I didn't know they had turf. I've uh, I've been to Thailand and I've seen the monkeys there, and I saw the elephants there, which was like a huge highlight. I went to this elephant reserve, which was fantastic. Uh, but yeah, tourism was the lifeblood of that country. It's apparently people aren't going there. Like I wouldn't think of going to Thailand right now. Um, I re- I strongly recommend it in a normal world. It's amazing. It's beautiful. The elephant reserves is, is crazy. It's on Chiang Mai. Uh, we uh, did a yoga retreat on Koh Samui, which is another island um, at in Thailand. Mm-hmm. So strongly recommend Thailand. But no, I, I had no idea that there were bands of ravenous monkeys rolling through the streets. Not good. Yeah, not good. Uh, we're going to Costa Rica. I think it's official. I never know with one. I think it's official. We're going to Costa Rica in a couple of weeks. And there are a lot of monkeys in Costa Rica. And we've got this room, sort of this eco sort of room where there's uh, one half the room is just this giant floor to ceiling uh, window. Mm-hmm. And you can see out into the rainforest and jungle uh, uh, monkeys are out there and all sorts of wildlife are out there, birds and stuff. Uh, it sounds super cool. But the monkeys, when I was at the last uh, resort in, uh, when I was at a yoga retreat in Costa, in, uh, Costa Rica, they would have these spray bottles. And when the monkeys came too close mm-hmm. to where people were eating, they would spray the spray bottle to get them out of there. Cause they're bold. They will walk oh. up and take a, a breakfast roll from you. Oh, absolutely. When, when I went to, um, Bali, uh, we went to, uh, uh, this artist village called Ubud and they had a monkey jungle there. And there were, and I was with Kenny at the time, and there were times where we were there for maybe like three or four days. You know, I'd be taking a nap in the hotel, and I'd wake up, and he wouldn't be there. He'd be in the monkey jungle. He was obsessed with the monkeys. And we would, um, you'd go there, and you'd have like bananas, and there were, some monkeys were more aggressive than others, but some yeah. of them were actually kind of gentle. And I, you know, you'd put like a little piece of uh, banana in your mouth and then you'd reach you know, reach out. Oh, that, and is, would, that is dangerous. Monkeys it was dangerous, mean. but we did it and, and didn't get hurt. Um, monkeys but, are mean and filthy. 
people yeah, they really are. But it. you know, when I was when I was a little girl, I um, monkeys were my favorite animals, and I begged my father to buy me a monkey. <laughs> I, I wanted a <laughs> monkey as a pet. So growing up, a lot of people um, who are who are close to me know how much I love monkeys, which is uh, good and bad because yeah. I would get so many like monkey gifts. Like I got it, like someone bought me a monkey lamp. Someone bought me like <laughs> monkey candlestick holders. Somebody bought me monkey bookend. It's like, all right already. Hey, I like monkeys. I don't need, I'm done. I don't need any more monkey stuff. Yeah, I'm like that with elephants. I love elephants and I've got elephants all over the house. People know I love elephants. In fact, it's obviously a podcast, but that's my tattoo is an elephant. Oh, I didn't even know you had a tattoo. Yeah, yeah that's an elephant. you get that? Um, maybe five, six years ago. Oh my God. It's pretty rocking tattoo, isn't it? Yeah. How did I not know that? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty rocking, but that's an elephant. So I got a lot of elephant stuff around the house. And isn't there a thing with the way that the, the elephant is facing that means something? Well, this elephant is also an ohm sign. So it's designed that way. Um, it's really for the Hindu god Ganesh, who is the uh, the elephant god, who is the remover of all obstacles. That's why I got that uh, that particular tattoo. And I've always been drawn to, especially through yoga, uh, Ganesh as, as my favorite Hindu god. Ranking second, by the way, Hanuman, who is the monkey guy. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, there you, there you have that. Um, you got one more? Or is that it? Well... I actually wanted to get your take on this. So okay. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so Kelly Clarkson, you know, she's got this very um, this this big divorce going on, yes, right? I yes. mean, it's all over the place. So she was ordered to fork over um, spousal support to her ex husband Brandon Blackstock, and um, he's supposed to get. $150,000 per month in spousal support and another 45000 and change per month in child support. So almost $200,000 every month. The guy, he's a talent manager. His clients include Blake Shelton, Rascal Flats. He was her manager for a long time. Oh. It's like, what is, what is she giving him all this money for? I mean, it just... Seems- well, here's the question, though. Was he... There, when her career was being built, did he play a role in building her career? You said he's talent manager. Well, he's been with her for, he was with her for 13 years. So, I mean. Because he's entitled to half the money that's come in those 13 years. California is a community property state. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's the same with, like, for example, a lot of people talked about, I forget what. uh, Oh, doctor, was it doctor, was it, who was it? Um. Dre? Was it Dr. Dre? Oh, Dr. Dre is paying his wife a whole bunch of money, too. Oh, my God. Like millions and millions of dollars a month. But I was thinking of like Jeff Bezos, who gave up half his fortune to his wife. And I was like, you know, that's totally fair. She was with him while he was inventing Amazon, was supportive, I'm sure contributed uh, ideas and whatnot. I think she's entitled to it. If this guy, because if it was the reverse, we wouldn't be complaining about it. If it was the reverse, if it was a man paying a woman spousal support, we wouldn't really think much about it. I think you're drawn to the story or bringing up the story because it's the reverse situation. She's paying him. No, no, no. I mean, I think if it was a woman who had a very, very successful career 
and was making a shitload of money. Yeah. And then was, you know, was asking for more money. You know, it would be like, oh, you know, well, why does he, you know, why does he have to pay her that much money? Why that much money? You know, if she's making money, you know, and she's making a lot of money. No, so. she's making a she's making a ton. Probably right. that is nothing to her. I mean, she's now got the Ellen slot. She right. sells records. I mean, right. she's got to be mega, mega rich. Right, and right. If he played a role in her becoming successful, like if he played a role in getting her the Kelly Clarkson show, well, probably is. Yeah, yeah. And well, and he was paid handsomely for that too, I'm sure. Cause yeah, was, I'm sure he was. He was her, he sure was her he manager. Was. So. Yeah, I sometimes when I read, you know, like I remember years ago, <laughs> George Siegel's when he divorced his wife, and he had been with her for a very long time. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the items in the divorce was that she now won't have celebrity status or something like she really? that was being that was being taken away from her. So wow. she wasn't like part of that, that group anymore. And she wasn't going to be invited to certain things because she wasn't George Siegel's wife anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And right. I thought, so wow. Dude him in part for that. Yes. She was yes. paid in part for the loss of. Yes. For the loss and of all that. that. Uh huh. That, that she was stripped of that after having it for so many years. Yeah. See, I think that's bogus. <laughs> that's that's bogus. She can't put a price on fame and then demand a payment when you don't have it anymore. Right. Like, oh, how come I'm not included anymore? Wah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that's just like... nonsense. Nonsense. Okay. I want to throw one thing at you. You ready? Okay. Yep. Okay. All right. Man named Harry Burley. Now you're you and Tom are outdoorsy people. Like you go out in your Winnebago and you go to fancy camps and all that stuff that you do. So I'm, I'm curious about this. He went on a solo fishing trip in Oregon. He got lost and injured, went missing for 17 days, and he survived in the most amazing and disgusting ways because he wandered away from the river where he was fishing. He had no water, so he couldn't even find the river at this point, and he was injured. So he was forced to drink his own urine. Mm-hmm. Uh, start a fire with just sticks. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ate roasted snail, crawfish, scorpions, and millipedes. Mm-hmm. And uh, ultimately, there was a full-scale search effort. And finally, after 17 days, a helicopter spotted the smoke from his fire, ended up 12 days in the ICU. But w- would you survive in a situation like that? 17 days out in the woods, drinking your own urine, making a fire with two sticks, eating snails and crawfish and scorpions and millipedes, would you survive that? I don't think so. <laughs> so I, mean, I mean, I mean, I, I would do the urine thing because uh, I know that, well, because I do it anyway. No, because I've, I've heard it that. Makes a, it makes a good mixer. <laughs> hey, come on, a little vodka and urine. <laughs> um, I've... Uh, I've heard about the urine thing that, that a lot of people have, have done that. So if I had to, I, I would, um, I think I could, pro- I think I might be able to make a fire with two know? sticks. That's tough. I, I think I may be able to do that, but, um, I, I don't know about snail, maybe- crawfish, scorpion, scorpion. Well, cra- I could eat crawfish. Yeah. yeah crawfish are delicious. Actually. Yeah. I mean, that's a delicacy. Yeah. You know? yeah down in New Orleans, um, uh, millipedes. I don't know why he, 
would eat a millipede. I guess it was just there. You but know? this is the stuff that you lived on. I'd be afraid to eat certain berries because after that, reading that book Into the Wild, I mean, um, you just don't know what kind oh, yeah, of berries you, you're eating. You can't tell whether they're know. poisonous or not. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. You wouldn't be a survivor. Would Tom, would, would your husband Tom be a survivor? Oh, definitely. He's like MacGyver. You know? Would he hand feed you millipedes? Yeah, he would. <laughs> that's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. Isn't that charming? Yeah, that is. He, uh, yes. I mean, if I were with Tom, for sure, I know I would totally survive. But you by know? yourself? By myself, I would be, I'd be a little worried, you know, because, and <laughs> this is so funny because Tom, he, he calls me a baby because I have to eat like every couple of hours. Like I'm always telling him I'm hungry. Right. And he's like, you're like a little baby. He says, I can't believe how often you have to eat. <laughs> and that's just the way it is. I mean, yeah, yeah. I get hungry. Yeah. You know, um, and the water thing. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. What about you? I mean, would you think you could survive in a situation like that, that many days? I'm going to be honest and say, I think I would find a way. I think I would find a way. Snail is not bad. Crawfish yeah, had, is not bad. I've had snails, yeah. Yeah, snails, delicious. Escargot, in, come on. In, in French food, delicious. Crawfish right. in uh, Cajun food, fantastic. I think I would go light on the scorpions <laughs> and use millipedes only as a seasoning. Um, drinking my own urine would be tough. That would be tough. But if it came down to that, I could probably do it. My will to live, Sue. Mm-hmm is very strong. When you say that, it reminds me of Mel Brooks and Cole Reiner, the 2,000-year-old man. Did you, did you ever hear uh, that? Oh, sure. I've heard it. What, what part? So when, when, uh, the intervie- when Carl Reiner is saying to Mel Brooks, you know, what do you, what do you attribute to you know, being alive for 2,000 years? And he says, uh, the will to live. And he says, uh, oh, that is so beautiful, the will to live. And he says, no. Doctor to live, doctor will to live. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, there you have our very first episode of Sue's News. How do you feel? I think it went pretty well. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. It was fun. Fun show. Yeah. So uh, you know who makes this show possible every single time we do it, Sue, including when it's Sue's News. Oh, man. Jacob, our greatest guy. What a guy. Have you met Jacob? I haven't. Well, I've... I'm trying to think if I met him. I've seen him at your parties, but I don't know if you ever introduced me to him and I didn't go over myself. Yeah, Jacob so. and Ronnie is just a great guy. You mentioned he's been to my house, been to my parties, he's a friend of mine. He and I text back and forth all the time, especially while the Lakers are going through free agency and stuff right now. The draft is tonight in, in the NBA and the Lakers might made a, make a trade. We've been texting back and forth. Um, he is He's a sports fan, big sports fan, official sponsor of the Los Angeles Lakers, official sponsor of of the LAFC. We love the LAFC. And, um, but he's also a guy with a very unique set of skills. If you are involved in any kind of accident, a motorcycle accident, a car accident, bicycle accident, um, accident as a pedestrian, accident at work, you slip because of negligence at a, uh, at a retailer, something like that. You want somebody on your side who's been doing this for 25 years in this town, and that is Jacob Imrani. Remember the phone number, 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. 844-24-JACOB, or remember the catchy jingle, accident or injury. 
called Jacob and Ronnie called, called Jacob. Jacob. Yeah. Hey, man. <laughs> Listen to Sue. Yeah. I'm telling you, even the Russians gave us a 10 on that. Nice. Nice. Yeah, baby. All right. Uh, there you have it. There's your Culture Pop podcast for uh, for today. Hey, don't forget, if you're on iTunes or Spotify, click the subscribe button. We would really appreciate that. Uh, you can leave us a rating, leave us a review. Always really important to us. Sue, great seeing you. You too. And we will see everybody uh, next time on the Culture Pop podcast.